0: Most of you by now know that I work at VIP Mortgage. A lot of you may not know why or how I got there. For us as LOs, we have a lot of options. And for me, VIP Mortgage was the perfect fit and the best place, in my opinion, to work. So if you have any questions about VIP Mortgage as an LO, or if you are a consumer and you're looking for a mortgage... You can reach out to me on social media or you can reach out to anybody else that you may know at VIP Mortgage. And our website is VIPMTGINC.com. Welcome, everybody, to our next episode of Real Talk with Ryan Madrid. Thank you to my sister over here for helping out with the production and social media and our engineering podcast uh, expert over here, Dylan. And uh, today is a really special episode, in, in my opinion. Um, and I think this is a great time for me to address the people who usually listen to this for themselves this might be one of those ones you want to bring your kids on to and uh, have them listen or watch because this is going to be something uh, more about what you can become <laughs> than what you are now. Um, so before we get into everything, um, I just want to go through a bio real quick and just just so everybody understands what I'm talking about. So we w- we'll let her go into the uh, to her high school, but so college nyu law school brooklyn law school while she was in college first intern was warner brothers then she interviewed then she moved on to her Skadden, where she was associate intellectual property and in technology so that's where she was her first first job in law correct yep and then she went to Associate Council of Digital Legal Affairs at Warner Music Group. Then Vice President of Business Affairs at Warner Music International. Then she was the Vice President of Digital Strategy and Global Business Development. Senior Vice President of Global Divis- D- D- Global Business Development Strategy in London. And then her current job, which kind of led us to this all, is the Head of Label Licensing and Partnerships with TikTok. So who else has had somebody that works for TikTok on their podcast in a while? I know people have people that actually do TikToks, but who has had somebody that works for TikTok? I don't think anybody. So.
1: Hey, I want to pipe in real quickly.
0: We haven't even said her name yet.
1: bio... I think this is still Uh, okay. Okay. She's not even forty. Right. Like that's I think super important. That sounds like a bio of somebody in like their
0: early to mid (laughs) sixties. Right. Right. And I left out like four things by the way. So good point, Trish. And like I said, parents, watch this. Make your kids watch this. So, we have Tracy Gardner on here from uh, TikTok and my friend. So, we we would usually clap if we had it, but we don't. So, thank
2: you. Thank you for the great introduction.
0: You're welcome. That was the most, uh, probably the most impressive uh, resume or bio on linkedin that we've seen yet so for sure uh, well obviously it was um so before we get right into everything because i think this is we don't really want to talk about tiktok all that much we are going to get into that we want to kind of talk about how you got to get there and how uh, what led you through all these incredible achievements so but before we do that we like to do a rapid fire question um to start the episode so tricia what do you want to ask her first
1: okay tracy what is
0: the last thing you liked
1: on social media
2: Probably something wedding related because I'm getting married in the fall. So I constantly am getting now targeted with the wedding supplies and vendors all on Instagram.
1: Are you like a big Pinterest bride? No, which makes my
2: uh, all my vendors very upset. They said send me your Pinterest <laughs> your Pinterest board of your wedding. I said why, why do I need a Pinterest board?
1: Wow. So, yeah. I'm Even
0: sure. though she's in the technology side of things, she doesn't need technology <laughs> as much as she should, probably. Yeah. So okay, so let's dive into this a little bit here. So you're from Wichita, Kansas. Well, that's where you went to high school and that's I, about as deep I as I was born there. So yes. you were born there. Okay. So let's talk about the like where you got this drive to achieve all the things you have achieved and kind of where you're at right now. And um you know, I know the little bit of it, but let's yeah. just let's start young and go, we're going to do this this time. Usually don't go this deep, but I think it's important. Sure.
2: Sure. So definitely, I think from a young age, I was, you know, type A, interested in succeeding. I think even I remember actually selling mixtapes to the kids on my street when I was, you know, five or six, go on the radio, record a song, hope the DJ doesn't cut through at the end to to, to mess it up. Uh, and I think really what it came from probably, though, was from my mom, who was very driven. She was born in Nicaragua, and she was working for a company at the time when uh, it was during the middle sort of the Civil War in Nicaragua. And she'd had my older sister, who's my half-sister, there in Nicaragua. And the woman, which I think also was really inspiring to my mom, was that it was this woman running this business, this airplane parts business, for private planes uh asked my mother if she would be interested in coming to america to sort of look and see if she wanted a life there and i think my mom recognizing what a great opportunity it was immediately said yes the at the time though because the country was concerned of people leaving and not coming back you you had to have some sort of collateral there and I, that was either money in some respect uh fifty thousand dollars which you know back then wasn't crazy for anyone especially in nicaragua or a family member. So she ended up leaving my older half-sister there when she was th- just three years old and left her with her mom so that then she could come and take advantage of this you know, amazing opportunity when her country's basically going through war and strife and she'd had brothers that were killed in the war. So she came to America. She, of course, loved it, met my dad, who was working at the same company. They hit it off. And so then after a few years, she went back to get my older sister. And then, uh, you know, they started a family. So I think my mom always has always been someone who has strived, strived to do better and, and takes advantage of opportunities. And she definitely always pushed that on me. I remember her when I was young, her putting on the show, t- the talk show, you know, lifestyles of the rich and famous and <laughs> looking at where, you know, the yacht you could one day own or just other traveling. And she's also very, very wanting me to travel and be worldly. And so that was something that I think from an early age, Really stuck stuck with me, and even you know, like I said, putting me in pageants and and something was something that I think gave me a lot of drive and ambition and, and confidence.
0: That's awesome. So you went to okay. So I know you because I are well, your soon to be husband is one of my friends, um, but he obviously was from Wichita as well, and he went to a, a, a very private you know, where a lot of kids that come from like affluent families go to, yes. right? Um, he's the one that kind of told me the story of the, you know, of, of your situation. Not that it was a bad situation, but <clears throat> so you go to this private school and, and was it your mother that said, Hey, we want to, we we're going to spend our money and time and making sure that you're in the right school system and, yes. you know, and okay. It was,
2: it was definitely my mom, my, my father had grown up in Wichita and then I th- he went to a high school reunion where he ran into a woman that he was classmates with and her children were at collegiate, and she was raving about what a great school it was. And just for context, it went from preschool all the way up through high school, through our senior year. And just you know, the things that my mom was hearing, then I went to go visit it. And it definitely you know, was out of the realm of what they had ever imagined they would pay for schooling, uh, especially for a first grader. But luckily, the school did have a great scholarship program, which I tested into and we qualified for. And then they just sent all of my siblings, myself, my brother, and my younger sister from an early age all the way through high school. And I think, you know, being in, like you said, I wasn't in a bad situation, but it's definitely a different situation from a lot of people that went to the school there. And being exposed to a different sort of way of being successful in life and what that means for the life that you can have for your family and your children. And I became friends with, you know, a lot of the, the kids there that were from this different sort of background. And who were wonderful, wonderful people and would ask my parents, can Tracy come on this trip? You know, my parents would, again, sacrifice and do whatever they could so that they could provide us the opportunity to go see the world and to go with friends and just see, you know, a different way of approaching life and success. And so I think that obviously had a huge impact as well. And and just the school itself, too, was the a great academic program. Uh, it was It was very focused on learning sort of even just outside the box, we had humanities, we had different different sort of programs, we had interim during the, in between the fall break and then the, the spring semester, where for two weeks you could go to New York, you can go to France, which I did one year, again, my parents making the sacrifice. So I think they probably made the ultimate sacrifice for all of us and just really focused on how, the importance of grades and succeeding. And I think they were, I kind of was able to admittedly get away with Anything sort of socially, so long as I was getting good grades, you know. Sure, stay out as long as you want, but but do your do your homework, do your you know, get good grades.
0: I think that brings up a good point because I've had this argument. You know, I grew up in the public school systems where we both did um, on the Northwest Valley, and as our kids have gotten older, I've had this kind of I've had this conversation with people about why people think it's so important to send their kids to Brophy Xavier Notre Dame and they're like it doesn't matter it's just it's just a status thing and you get the same education you're going to go they're going to go U of A you're going to go to ASU they're going to go to NAU or they might go out of state but um, I think that what what people miss is like you said you get to surround yourself with situations that you would not probably be able to be in because you see like the success of your friend's parents you see like different like what they're able to do and success is different there's a different definition for everybody right Right. but when you're in high school and you get to go travel to italy or to go you know just experience things that other kids may not be able to but it also kind of gives you that that idea like okay everybody i know is going to go do something after high school Right, Everybody's going to do something, whether they take over their, their parents' company or they go to a, a big school. But the chances are those kids are going to probably go do or go to, they might have more opportunities, right. right? Right. And so that to me is like a big point that I think there's, there's a little bit of, I don't want to even say the word ignorance, but it's like, they don't think that way that, okay, yeah, it's cost a lot of money. Yeah. yeah was it really worth it? We're going to end up in the same call as well. Yeah. Your network becomes giant. Right. By and, the way.
2: And the lens through which you view the world, I think, right? Are yep. you are you even caring about do you get to if you tra- get to travel to Italy or Africa if you don't even you've never been right. exposed to that, right? right. Well, that's not care intriguing about that, to you if you've not been right. exposed to it.
0: I think that's super important to say. And a fun fact is that she, she's marrying Anthony, who she met in first grade at that school.
1: <laughs> no way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. First grade.
0: So
2: there you go. <laughs> yeah. If that so doesn't speak to the yeah. point, then I don't know what does now.
0: <laughs> right. Wow. So yeah. were you like valedictorian type girl? Or were you like straight A's, great grades? Yeah, super definitely
2: 4.0. I think I missed being salutatorian by 0.01 of some, you okay. know, something. So you are like, number two I, in sorry, the no, class? No, I, was, so, I was, sorry, valedictorian, <laughs> salutatorian, then the, I was number. Three. Okay, but I, you know, I was happy to let someone else take on the charge of the of the speeches, and they were good friends. And the great thing about the school, which I think probably also speaks to the schools here, is the smallness of the classes. And to me, when people say that they went to some schools in the town that we grew up in that had four hundred people in their senior class, it boggles my. That was more than we had in our whole high school. So, I think it also breeds a closeness to the point of you know, like. Anthony's father being able to just reach out on Facebook and friend me and then right. kind of reintroduce us. So right. you remember people, you remember p- parents, you're close with your friends as parents.
1: So Anthony's dad brokered the relationship. <laughs> he did. <laughs> yeah. Yes. He brokered the relationship.
0: <laughs> He's yeah. going to love that this here. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys, you guys were like prom king queen or something like that. We, right? we
2: did. We were paired as homecoming, <laughs> uh, homecoming. like, uh, you know, your match yeah. or whatever. Right, right, right. Yeah. right, right.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. There's yeah. a good picture about that. All right. So after high school, um, everybody's deciding where they're going to go and what they're going to do. So why'd you choose NYU? Yeah,
2: well, interesting. I was one of the first people from collegiate, I think, that had gone to NYU. I, I just knew I I was wanting to do international business. That's what I wanted to do. I think I'd gone, I think I'd had my heart set on Georgetown or doing something in politics, international. And I applied early. Georgetown got declined. But then I had also applied to New York because the, the year before, again, with collegiate, they offered those trips. So I went to New York And I loved the city and I loved the vibrantness of the city. But then also really what appealed to me was the idea of doing internships and getting real life exposure to work early on. Uh, The idea of I really I sat and I thought, what do people do that go to these smaller schools that are or state schools that are not saying they're not great schools and people don't get great educations and that there's a lot to do football, sports. But in my mind, I thought, thought, what do people do when they're not in class or studying? And I wanted to uh, get into the internships, get into the business world as quickly as I I could. I think I've always probably been someone that's always wanted to grow up a little bit quicker than I should. So to me, that was very alluring. And then when I got waitlisted at Georgetown, I then got right into NYU and I said, great, I'm going there. So my parents came to visit with me for the first time, or they came with me to go visit the school it was both of their first time in New York City. And I think I scared them to death when I got lost on the subway with them for an hour and a half, trying to figure out how to get to the NYU orientation for the new students. So oh, they boy. still actually did let me go, which was nice. But, uh, you know, it all worked out in the end.
0: <laughs> right. Do you think that... So you speak Spanish, obviously, right? Yes. Do you yes. think that that was a big influence on the fact that you wanted to go international studies? Because you're like, obviously, speaking of language, this is going to help.
2: Yeah, I do. I think it was that. And then also knowing, having then had the opportunities of traveling the world, I knew I definitely wanted a job that took me to to, to travel as well, to see the world and to be involved in uh, different cultures, different, you know, different areas of, of work that require sort of having that understanding and that global knowledge. So yeah. that was definitely a big part of it. And, um, you know, that's kind of what ended up happening, which was right. so
0: cool. So, okay, so your freshman year at NYU, you get an internship with Warner Music, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, so how did that come about?
2: So it was, and I guess maybe I should also, I growing up and maybe I was always kind of involved in musicals and singing. And so that was another thing my mom pushed me to, which I think she thought would be just a good thing to have experience. And I enjoyed it. And when I was little, I had a good voice, so I I won't sing now. So uh, that I think was always, music has always been sort of part of, me growing up. And so I was at freshman year at NYU and I saw that there was a posting for an internship at Warner Brothers Records, which is part of the Warner Music Group umbrella. And luckily I got it. And it was just this whole exposure to, you can imagine being a, a 18-year-old girl from Kansas going to go work at you know, Rockefeller Center with these crazy music <laughs> guys mostly. But there were some women there and it was... Uh, one of the greatest experiences I did, because that's what really got me into the industry and i remember early on being exposed to um entertainment lawyers that would come through the office and they were representing bands and i remember growing up my mom had always said you should definitely be a lawyer because you'd like to argue so much so <laughs> yeah. i said this is perfect this kind of is something that hits both points music and legal. And also you're always going to need to have entertainment lawyers around. And this was just at the time as sort of Napster and everything started to bubble up. So that was another area of interest. But um, so, yeah, so that freshman year was definitely an exposure. It was pretty cool because, like I said, good to go to concerts, was hanging out with music executives. And most importantly, though, I think was I, the connections that I made from that job, still to this, I mean, years later, have helped me in, in getting other people jobs and being a reference in, in jobs that I got, you know, I think when I went to, came back to Warner. So that for me, I think getting that networking and that exposure to people up front was an amazing opportunity to have.
0: Yeah, no, and one of the things that I think that you said to me before was, while all your other friends were out drinking beer, <laughs> you know, partying, going to bars, you were, you had a job, you were, you were an intern, you were working. So like your first initial thought was, well, I don't get to go hang out with my friends, but then you're like, oh, wait a second. I'm at Nobu tonight (laughs) with a record exec and I'm a freshman in college. And you know, I'm learning about, I'm meeting all these people. Yeah. So like you really were experienced like a whole nother element. So what you experienced, even though you felt like you may have missed something, it was way better than, than, everybody else is kind of what was going through that in your, in your mind. At yeah. Least, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it, it was hard work and it meant <clears throat> probably sacrificing one or trade off, I guess maybe is how you put it more in this, in this respect. And uh, it, like you said, I got to go to concerts and, and meet executives and go to nice dinners. And my friends were eating at the dorm. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: always. laughs> so. Right. So, so you had to figure it out early. Yeah. Okay. So through college, you had multiple different internships. So what led you to Brooklyn law then?
2: So I guess when I was in, uh, like I said, I, I always had stayed with interning with the record labels while I was at in at NYU in undergrad. So kind of different facts. Once and then I went to work with an independent promoter, you know, who would promote the labels, content or tracks to, to radio stations. And then it kind of came full circle and I came back and I was working as an intern in A&R. And I think all throughout that, I just, I think that early relationship with some of the entertainment lawyers and seeing what they do and how cool it is that they get to work with artists. And it seemed like it was also going to be just a profession that's always going to be around. Artists are going to be around and they need lawyers. So I thought that was cool. And then I wanted to go, I guess maybe also a common thing. I wanted to go to Brooklyn Law School, A, because of New York, well, technically Brooklyn, and B, because they had a part-time program. So that, that way, instead of taking three years, it would have taken it took me four. But I set up my schedule so that I would go to class two days a week. And then the other three days of the week, I was working um as an intern at an entertainment law firm that's known it's David Shapiro Lewitt is now what it's called. Um so it's Fred Davis who started it, who's Clive Davis's son of
0: Oh you know, wow. Yeah. So Jeez. so he wow. was
2: he was a very prominent lawyer and so got to work with him and, and you know at the time I think the label uh, I mean the law firm represented everyone from you know Kanye to t- to Taylor Swift to uh Britney Spears so it was it was wow. that, that was you know modest mouth it was they represent they were a big heavy hitter in the entertainment law world and then I was uh so like I said, I was going there three days a week and then I was working with I think I was sitting with one of my mentors that I worked with there you know I was kind of always just paired with they gave me quite a lot of actually did freedom you get, in doing Did you get work. paid to
0: do this? Or yes, was Okay, yes. so it was paid internship. Yes. And okay. I actually
2: was probably doing a bit more even on the spectrum of what a paralegal would do. Like they fully okay. trusted me, which was really cool. And I remember I had finished up my first year of law school. And my lawyer, I was sitting there, we were talking. He said, what are you going to do for the summer? And I said, oh, I'm going to work here. And he said, well, wait, What what did you get as your grade point average? And I said, well, I was first in my class. And he said, what What are you doing here? Why are you, you need to go apply. <laughs> what are you doing here? You know, while it was a very impressive firm, I think he he knew that, especially to end up in the world of where I am now, you have to almost go pay your dues and work at a big corporate law firm so that you understand the ins and outs of, you know, sort of transactional law, mergers and acquisition, even litigation. So he said, go apply to, you know, so every summer the law firms have a summer program, I mm-hmm. guess, as you would say. And he said, you better apply for next year to go to one of these. So I did that, and then it, it was nice because I got two summers out of it since I was going part-time. So right. that's when it kind of then pushed me to, after leaving law school, I mean, my, in my mind, I was like, I'll just come back here and work. And he's like, right. no, no, you won't. Go, go do something bigger than this, and then, right. and then if you want to come back, you can.
0: Was that the, what was that? This,
2: Davis Shapiro Lewis. Okay. So this was a law firm. that still, still exists. Um, uh, Fred has kind of moved on to do more, of uh investment stuff with like the spotify's of the world okay gotcha bite dance type thing SoundCloud, so yeah
0: okay so after you okay so you after you graduated from from law school did you go to work for one of those companies that you interned for
2: i went to uh yes i went to go work for scadden and i was an associate in the intellectual property um, information technology group. So we mostly were transactional working as the specialty group in M&A transactions. Uh, but because I'd made it known that I was really interested in media and and music and, you know, even fashion, I probably got to do a bit more. My thank God for my mentor there my the the partner manager of the group he he let me work on things like you know potential acquisition of Ticketmaster when OPI was acquired I think by Cody um, you know the nail polish
0: I'm yeah <laughs> you're yeah, like sure. yes I know yeah, yeah. Um, no uh, I don't, know I,
1: don't know. <laughs> I know what you're talking about yes thank you I know what
0: OPI is though, yes, yes. That, that's nail polish yes that's yes because so I've, I have women in my life yes
2: okay. <laughs> so got to work on those so, a
0: woman sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But I, you know, I have a daughter, too. That's yes, right. yes. So, and a sister. Two daughters.
2: Yes. So that got to do a lot of those cool things. And then uh, you kind of have to pay your dues for companies like Warner or anywhere to that, to go in-house, right? They want you to know that you've actually worked at somewhere that is a legitimate place that teaches you how to address these contracts and these situations. And while that was two and a half years, that was really challenging just because the workload was insane, I did learn quite a lot, and then that actually is what led me to my job at Warner, because they, the the law firms are happy to have their associates go elsewhere, because then hopefully the law firm that associate hires the law firm as their outside counsel. So there's a job posting board within you know virtual board within Warner, I mean sorry within Scadden, and a job went up saying looking for a digital lawyer at a major record label, and. I immediately applied. I had about seven other of my fellow associates contact me and said, have you seen this? This is exactly what you should be doing and what you, we know you want to do. So then they don't tell you the name of the employer until you actually inquire within Scadden. And I did. And they said, well, we'll tell you who it is, but it's definitely going to sway you one way or the other if you want to actually apply. And they said, it's Warner Music. And I said, that's great. I had a great, you know, I had a great run there. I really enjoyed it. And so I got the job.
0: Well, it, is this a good time to ask a, a little another question to kind of do you realize how fast your like brain works?
1: Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, i like, picked up on like, it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm like, oh geez, so um, I actually yeah, let's, let's, I had it's not
1: it's not a rapid fire <laughs> yeah. per se but there's something I I would like to ask you, mm-hmm. you are, so uh, now at this point in your life if you were to have a group of high school students mm-hmm. you know like you've had an assembly, right? And it was like career day. What advice would you give them? Because when you brought up the fact that you have to pay your dues, I think that that's a very novel concept for many young people. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. not to bash on, you know, millennials, but yes. you know, delayed gratification yes. is not necessarily something that you see yes. uh, in the younger generation. So, any any advice? Yeah,
2: I mean, and, even when I was interning, I was, I was there until the last person was there, right? I'm, I even though I had to only be there till five or six, I I made sure let me be here to help them in case they need help or you know i'm sure there's work around here i can do and it actually was often in a lot of those moments where oh you're the last one in the office like you you want to go grab dinner we can talk about this or you you know you want to help me with this that's actually a really cool project and i think you know showing up and being there and putting in that hard work you know goes so far and if you're doing it people notice and they're going to want you to do bigger things and they're going to be there when you need recommendations. And so I think the, you know, the paying of the dues and the delayed gratification is so real. And especially I've even been in positions where I've wanted to continue to develop further and quicker and quicker. And a mentor of mine said, you know, you know, it's okay. It's just not your time. Just wait. You know, you're, you are overly ambitious, which is great and you deserve it, but there will be a time and a place when it's right. So just keep doing (laughs) the hard work, keep, Keep doing what you're doing and and it will come. And, you know, I think in, in some respects it has, which is nice.
0: Yeah. Good question, Trish. You're welcome. Um, all right. So let's go from your job. So you first got, so you got your job kind of technically back at Warner, even though you were just an intern. So that's your first job career. Now right. it's at, at Warner. What were you doing there?
2: I was the lawyer on the deals with our digital platform. So Spotify. YouTube, Apple Music.
0: You guys ever heard of those? Has anybody heard of those before? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Please
1: explain. God. <laughs> Ugh, we're losers. Yeah. Uh
0: no. So that's that's super right. cool. So, so you're right in like the heart of all that stuff, just because I right. mean Spotify was fairly new probably at that point.
2: Right. So that was I think when I remember one of the first deals that came in, Spotify, you know, it had its music streaming platform that was live in Europe. And it was the first time that the labels had licensed an ad-supported service. I think they were just getting over the Napster, you know, trying to shut down piracy. And I think um, that they allowed it to launch in Europe, but then when it came to the U.S., I think a bunch, I remember a bunch of the music executives said, no, there's no way we're allowing this to launch in the U.S. And I remember literally for my first week, there being like, what's going on? What's going on? Because I knew what Spotify was, and I knew it was getting ready to come to the U.S. And so that was that was pretty cool, because then we finally did license it. And, you know, if you look at it now, it has totally changed the way of the music industry, which is something interesting that I remember doing an executive coaching or executive thing that we did at Warner. And one of the things that they said, you know, the thing that scares your company the most is the thing that you should be leaning into, right? Disruption is something that we shouldn't run from, but everyone does. And it's really, really hard to. And I think we we talked about that a lot. I think seeing... That's an exact classic example of the the, the record labels trying to r- run away or to shut it down. What was really going to be the biggest disruptor in their industry in fifteen years? So yeah, that was so. I started yeah. So I was working on the deal. So we, the way we were set up was we had the digital lawyers and then the digital business development team, which worked very very closely together. The lawyers were in the room. It wasn't necessarily like a that the BD team would go off, finish the term sheet, and then hand it over to the lawyer. The lawyers were integrally involved. With every single deal, which is what then made me want to move into business development, and it was—it's often—it's actually quite common to see it within the music industry, just because uh, the lawyers are so involved with the deals that it's—it's it's an easy transition to move over. Uh, the one thing that you know, I'll admittedly don't and have great at is those Excel modeling skills, but I, I let <laughs> other people do that.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So she's bad at one thing. So <laughs> actually Excel. that was
1: that was a, one of the rapid fire questions. Oh, it's like really? what is one thing you can't do? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I didn't
0: say I couldn't do it.
1: Yeah, no,
2: <laughs> no, no, no. True. yeah, I'm just not great at it. Go on. No, yeah, it that would probably be the one thing that and but I can I can I can do it in my mind. And I can actually I used to drive my analyst crazy because they would. They'd. We'd have something we're trying to project, and I'd say, I, I bet it's going to land at hundred million, and then they'd go spend like two days modeling. <laughs> They're like, they they oh, land at ninety nine million. You must have been so. Really popular with those analysts. Yeah, yeah. Raleigh, if you ever see this, I'm sorry. No, we're sending this to Raleigh. Oh,
1: yeah. So, um, so sorry, to interrupt again, because oh. um, just because you were just talking about Spotify. So, was it April when Spotify and Apple Podcasts really started a battle? Um, yeah. That's been interesting, Ryan. You and I haven't even, even really talked about that with the paid uh, subscriptions, yeah. right? Um, and Spotify is a lot of the big podcasts are now moving over at exclusively, right? right? I think Rogan led the way there, right? right. So, um, podcasting is yeah. that something that I mean, obviously, I know you're music focused, but
2: no, but I think we are. I mean, it's, it's something we talk about all the time, and I think it's definitely grown, it's growing. It's, It's probably going slower than people thought, but also it's still, no, it's going faster than people thought, but still at a slow pace, right? Mm -hmm. I think it is faster, but at a still slow pace. And I think a lot of that has to do um, with them being very, uh, 90% of them are in the English language and there's not been a huge attempt to try, right, I mean, the rest of the world (laughs) that Mm -hmm. wants to listen to podcasts. And I think it's now starting, I think people, a lot of the podcasts I'm are podcasters are starting to find like different niche that actually is working. I think at first it used to just be, you know, sort of, if I look at it from the music perspective, I think it's taken them a while to figure out, you know, is it that interesting to listen every single time to someone talk about the, the the making of an album? Like, yes, but only so far. So then, then we need to get into, maybe we just have the artist on there talking about cooking. You know, I think it's, it's moving into sort of tangential, life things but I mean it is like I can say that I've started to listen to podcasts a lot more I think as I as I walk our dog and I think and I don't know if that's just been because also just with COVID you know there's so much time that you have on your hands to sort of do other things and I think part of it and could be that for me I haven't seen a ton of great new released music because people haven't been in the studios during COVID like right. uh, honestly release schedules have kind of de- got de- declined a bit and for me I'm like Oh, I haven't been introduced into anything great. I'll look at podcasts. And I think a lot of people during the pandemic have started to do that. So which is what has led to, I think, growing faster than we thought. That's a good I'm going to
0: chime in on this one too. It's, I've found that I was like listening to podcasts like crazy and the same sort of things have been happening to me and that's why I think it's so important for us to have different people from different industries doing cool stuff because I'm having more time, more I'm having more of a difficult time finding more content on podcasts that I'm even interested in listening to. Like I'm, Same. it's like, dude, we can only talk about so much or this, you know, it's like even the famous people that have, you know, famous people that have other famous people on, it's like, okay, yeah. I, I'm kind of bored with that. <laughs> I've seen every single freaking Joe Rogan podcast, you know, yep. I'm going to see him Friday night. Uh, by the way Um, yeah and but it's just like i don't know i think there's there's but i started watching like different ones i started watching um i am athlete which i think is a really good one they have like a like talk a lot about mental health issues and they're like former football players that talk about all kinds of things but they they don't talk about football really right um but anyways moving moving on it'll be
2: interesting to see where the spotify and apple i haven't subscribed to it but to see where they take it because i do think to that point the major complaint people have just about general podcast company, even Apple podcast is, it's so hard to find what what you might like, right? I think the discovery is much more difficult than, I think for example, like Spotify kind of gets to know you and then starts making recommendations from a music perspective. I think it's a lot harder to do with podcasts. So they're just sort of starting to figure out like, you know, if you like this podcast, maybe you'll like this.
0: Right. And that's gonna lead us into something really cool in a few minutes, but um, so, okay. So let's just kind of move quickly here. So warner music when did you move to london for warner
2: so that was in 2013 Jan- january 2013 so i'd started at warner in march of 2011 and so I was there for about a year nine months before they said well, do you want to go over to uh cover maternity leave for a lawyer in london for six months i said great yes yeah, of course yeah. why not uh and what turned into six months They turned into nine months, and then what ended up happening is someone on the legal team left to go to SoundCloud, and so there was an opening, and I said, yeah, I'll stay. So, you know, ended up being in London for seven years, which was an amazing experience, just both personally and professionally, you know, personally getting to travel all the world
1: right.
0: while you're actually doing your job, which was pretty cool. And and going to festivals and concerts. Yeah. And, I mean, just like experiencing all, everything. All I mean.
2: over. I think one of the most interesting ones I went to was the V Contact Day, which is the Facebook of Russia. And went to their... It's a very family-run company. Um, and so it's during the day. It's out on the water. It was beautiful. It was in... Moscow. was it? In Moscow or St. Petersburg? I, I think maybe... No, it was in St. Petersburg. And it was... You know, they don't serve booze. It's it's actually a very wholesome. It was one of the most fun festivals I think I'd actually been to. It was super cool. Uh, so that was really a treat to do things like that. And then just to have, you know, they have the Brit Awards that are like our Grammy Awards. And then even being able to see, I remember when I moved over to uh, London, the the way that the company very much looked at reporting of, you know, the reporting we'd get from the the digital platforms like Spotify, YouTube, it was broken out into... US versus and then XUS, US and international. So, I remember getting over there and the people in, you know, in each territory that have P&Ls that they're supposed to be or, or budgets and targets were, you know, the, the guy in France was like, I don't know what what I'm made this month because it's it's just all delivered international. So, I think as the t- time grew that I was there, it very quickly to change to recognize France is a very different market from Germany and Germany is very different from Spain. And so, understanding the different, you know, being able to travel and understand the different ways that payment systems are set up there, that telcos are set up there. And that is something that definitely I've been able to port over now, but that was Jeff. you know, it was like seven years of spring break, but while working really hard.
0: <laughs> so there was way, so basically <laughs> no. it wasn't, it wasn't so like, there wasn't as many type a analytical people it's, there. I'd say there working were in maybe. London is
2: very different. It's a yeah, very it's, much more it's just
0: liberally flow, It's much more relaxed. Just, yeah. I mean, they work
2: hard, but it's not, As this cutthroat competitive mentality that's on all the time. Yeah. So it was nice to sort of, you know, people were just like, oh, you know, it'll, we can deal with it tomorrow. (laughs) 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 Yeah.
0: Man, that sounds amazing. Yeah. What about the weather though? It was very rainy. No?
2: It wasn't as bad as you would think. (laughs) No. I always said London really actually gets a terrible rap. And I think what the summers that I was there were actually phenomenal. But then it got to the point where they started to be so hot and nowhere has air conditioning. So I remember. Uh, one day we're sitting in the office and it's maybe 95 degrees and we all get an email saying due to the extreme heat, the air conditioning has stopped working. So we had to all go home.
0: Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) you don't have to work today. Yeah. Wow. This is spring break. Um, okay. So let's talk about, I'm going to assume like December of 2019.
2: It was when I changed, changed. Yeah. It was like November, 2019,
0: November, 2019. So you were, were you currently looking for a job to uh, like, how did this whole thing happen where yeah. you, where you've got the job you have now?
2: Yeah. So again, through, through networking and connections and keeping good friendships with people in the industry. So I actually was working at Warner and in about in June, my current boss or my boss then at the time uh who, he was American, he'd worked at Sony uh, in London for years. Uh So, and him and I, you know, had a great relationship and he actually just ended up not renewing his contract for several reasons. And I was pretty devastated. And it was at the same time where my fiance now and I were getting pretty serious and we'd been doing the long distance thing when, I, you know, and it worked because I was fortunate I was got to go back to the U.S. so much for work. But we were kind of thinking, you know, what what's going to happen here? And then a lawyer that uh, represents a bunch of these services that I work really closely with, that's a good friend of mine, said, hey, you know, would you be interested in interviewing to head up the label licensing team at ByteDance? So at this point, I knew what, what ByteDance was, which, which is the parent company of TikTok. And uh, mostly because my boss then would, we would sit and talk about how UGC, which we refer to as, you know, user-generated content, is such an under-monetized, under-utilized form of content. So people creating videos on YouTube, and we said, you know, it's a, such a shame Every time someone thinks of UGC, they think of YouTube. And this was just as Musical.ly was starting to really get going. They just acquired it and turned it into TikTok. And we always said, Look, that that is interesting. That's the next frontier for UGC. And well, hold so, on one
0: second. Was yeah. was Musical.ly, was it TikTok? Or are they're so two By different Dance companies? Acqu-
2: ByteDance acquired Musical.ly and turned it into TikTok. Oh, okay,
0: so they renamed it to, t- to TikTok. Yeah, yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So
2: they had they had their own version um, in China, which they still do today, which is called Doyen. And then they turned the ex-China version, which well they created it by acquiring musically and calling it TikTok.
0: gotcha so
2: so then i said you know they said it'll be based in la or kind of wherever you want i said this is great you know i was knowing that my boss has left i was also obviously concerned just what what my future was at at warner and um so then interviewed you know thought it was a great opportunity uh got the job only then to find out too that then my boss would left because he I'd see him from time to time in London. I said, what are you doing next? He said, I'll let you know when I can. And I think he, well, there were several, obviously, as you can imagine, contractual reasons why he could not tell right. me. And so then as soon as I got the job and I signed the paperwork, he was able to tell me that he was coming over to Byte Dance also. <laughs> so to be kind of global head of music and still. So I still report into him, which is awesome. He's, based, he's still in London, though. So we, you know, there's a huge time gap. But. I think because we've worked together and we know, I know his expectations. He knows mine. We know how to work together that uh, it's, I think it's been a great experience for me to sort of even grow into leading a team without necessarily having to check in with him all the time. And, you know, we kind of have, have that trusting. So
0: what I think is a really cool part about this story is that this all kind of transitioned or her, her whole transition happened. Like I'm, I'm talking like two months before COVID hit. Yes. (laughs) And so she basically was, you were going to go to LA, I think, right? Or you just, I had
2: an apartment in yeah. LA. And then
0: she just kind of stayed <laughs> here. And because of COVID, I think people were just at home and TikTok was already gaining a lot of momentum, but it right. just like blew up. Right. Like two months after you took the job. Right. 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 <laughs> right. Literally Good timing. Right. So your timing is in impec- fact, <laughs> but you deserve it because you worked really hard. <laughs> All those late night, late nights in New York working. Yeah. Um, so, how did that affect? So you take this job, and all of a sudden, like like you were busy, and then it just did not get crazy busy?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think you know it's unfortunate that COVID happened, and I think all things considered, we'd rather not have happened and just you know had a normal growth. But it, it what happened happened, and we were excited to be the place where people could go to connect with each other. But then also, I think the thing that draws people to TikTok so much is the authenticity, and I think that's what people were craving so much at a time when. You're home, you're struggling, you know, you, it was nice to see, not nice to see other people struggling, but nice to connect with people in an authentic way. And I think that's one thing that was really important to the artists that are on the platform now, that they feel like they can be themselves. You can't get on there and create, you can't just get on there and put up your music video and that's not right. going to resonate. People want to see you behind the scenes, at home cooking, you know, that type of thing. So that, what happened with that is because artists t- do turn to the platform for so much to reach to their fans that you know, live shows shut down. So we quickly within a matter of, I think a week had uh, live streams up and ready to go for, you know, to benefit sort of a lot of the charities. So that involved everyone just sort of kind of doing something different. You know, we do have teams that focus on that stuff day to day, but I think my team was brought in sort of to just to assist with the, the label relationships. And I have to say the labels were actually really, uh, understanding and I think in, at a time where they said, let's just go instead of why are we going to get caught up in all these approvals and processes, let's just run with it, go. And so I think the because the platform does also iterate so quickly based on what's happening with the community and the people on there, I feel like every single day there was a new thing to focus on. And then they, they turned that into sort of what just different sort of programs. So I remember they did something for kids that were missing prom. And then, you know, they had like Dylan Francis, like DJing live. And then they had oh, just different things. that, that wow. Yeah, they, there were a lot of things that they did that, that they did. Smart. You know, yeah, there were a lot of things, you know, to raise money and a lot of things that they did that were just moving quickly. And I think, you know, that one of those things is just the the fact that it's a tech company and they just right Go, you know. Um, but- so let
0: d- me back up here. This is my ignorance of TikTok. I think what I was, I think I knew it as musically because of Sloane, my my youngest daughter. Yeah, she was using it for when she was younger. But so I kind of thought it was a kids thing, right? And then all of a sudden, it's not. It's like for everybody. And it's, so was that already happening or did that kind of happen through the transition or through COVID too? I think
2: it got accelerated by COVID. I think then you saw a lot more people at home cooking and doing do-it-yourself since people then wanting to make that same recipe or do the same time. I mean, I think people just- I mean, literally, people that were normally in college were at home with their parents, and so you know, like the blinding light one, the yes, yeah. the, the kids <laughs> yeah. with their with their dad, they were getting their parents and grandparents involved in challenges. Which then, I think, they said, "Wow!" So I think also seeing the diversity of content that now is on the platform versus, all, you know, a year and a half ago is, and even looking at the demographics. Has definitely changed so it it's
0: like i was saying like anthony it's like he he watches <laughs> his news yeah. sports and cooking, cooking? shows yeah. on there yeah wow. yeah i mean yeah. people go on there for everything it, yeah. it's 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 that, incredible how how it's changed
2: right and i think that the the way then the platform quickly evolves is, is looking at at things for example putting on what we call sort of anchors so that if you want to learn more, right? Because that's a lot of things because it's short form. You can't maybe learn, you know, it's cool. You get a little sipping of it. But so now, you know, if you're a creator, you can drop a little anchor so that it's like go here and you can learn more. So it's, and it's the like platform.
0: reels. Is that the same thing? As like reels on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but, blocks, not as, some, they, but not as, right, as good. Instagram yeah. basically <laughs> like copied. They copied. Okay. they copied TikTok. Okay. Gotcha. These, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, they're smart too. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, so I think one of the things cool is I knew somebody that was doing TikToks for the mortgage business on like credits, like doing like little videos and stuff for like yeah. how to repair your credit. And I was like, who's watching this stuff? But apparently that person was way ahead of the game. And, you know, it's like how quickly in, in, in the real estate world, I have to tie it in this for a second, but like how quickly are you, you getting into like the newest, latest and greatest tech? That's gonna help your business, right? And and if, whether it's a CRM system or if it's social media or whatever, and it was like first it was Facebook, then people went to Instagram, and then quickly people were going to TikTok, yeah. right? To do to do whatever it is, but you know it's 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 tough because not you know I don't I watch stuff obviously, but I don't do stuff on there. But um, I think that that it's a huge you know, advantage for the people that jump on. I know people that have millions of people. I mean, people in this town that have millions of people that like their subscribers Yeah, and they're just realtors. Yeah. You know,
2: and I think it is because again, because it is different and unlike anything everyone's seen, I, you know, like I said, getting back to the authenticity thing, people know how to do a really polished Instagram post. And yep. here, you know, even I sometimes I'm like, uh, you know, what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. And I remember I used to say before I went into COVID, I said when, when one of the creator, cause you know, we have a whole team that manages creators. I said, when I get my tutorial from them, then I'll start really posting and then COVID happened. But now, now we have, what's called, I think the, uh, I think it's called the creator portal where it's now all tutorials for anyone just to go in and learn, you know, there's tons of effects. There's tons of things you can add. Like I said, anchors, there's, you know, you can add the, um, uh, you know, lyrics to a song. So I think it's kind of just exploded yeah. it's, and it's, it's all. Like a workshop on how to do it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty robust. I'm
2: go.
1: looking at it right now. Yeah. yeah. Like really yeah. Uh, detailed, uh, yeah, like yeah. subcategories
0: and we should take a look at this. Yeah. So, but not every TikTok has, Sounds <laughs> such an old man. <laughs> so not every TikTok has music though with it. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Is, no, you don't have that music. Are you on TikTok? I don't make any TikToks, but I watch. You're it. like me. You're a voyeur yeah. of TikTok. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm a lurker. I, I'm an hour by. I'm hours of just. <laughs> I
2: know you just get down and lost in the rabbit hole. I think because yeah. the algorithm is so good and it gets to know what's, what you yeah. want versus what I want, and yeah. it just can pull you in. So, so Anthony
0: can... only gets cooking stuff yes, now. Yes, yeah. Right. <laughs> you know what's funny is I get like on a skateboarding kick. <laughs>
2: oh, <laughs> those can be interesting.
0: Oh man, there's, I could do that forever. It's, but it gets, what happens all of a sudden, wait, there's all these and it just, it yeah. just keeps going and going and going. Yes. Um, so, <clears throat> well, Trish, you want to ask another question before we uh, wrap it up?
1: Sure. Um, name one thing you learned the hard way. Ooh,
2: definitely to own up to your mistakes up front and not try to cover them up because then it just gets. You're going to get caught. It gets really bad. I, th- I remember making a mistake once early on as a lawyer and then trying to, you no, know, oh yeah, up. no, no, no. you learn the hard way. And usually for the most part, if you just band up and say, oh, I, sorry, I messed this up. People are, they're not going to cut your head off. They're just, you know, or at least they shouldn't, normal yeah. people should, should not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not in this country. Yes. And they basically just, you know, okay, then let's fix it and own up to it early on.
0: It's a good answer.
1: Very good answer. Again, I hope young people are listening to this. Yeah. I do have one question. It's yeah. we didn't discuss it prior to, okay. so hopefully it's okay. Um, so we have a a childhood friend whose son has blown up on TikTok. Mm-hmm. I um my kids before before him would always talk about like this way house and you know all the TikTok collectives oh, yeah. and so forth. Yeah. Um so what from a corporate standpoint, what do you guys think about all these like creators that have formed these alliances and are now like just exploding?
2: Yeah. And, and two
0: part question. How did they make money?
2: Uh, well, I can answer the latter, but the, for the first one, I honestly don't know that much about, I, I like, I know the hype house is there and I know, I don't honestly know how much we get involved. I think it's pretty little. I think we have relationships with creators, but I don't know what our position is on the houses or how we get involved.
0: That's a legal answer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but a true answer. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. um, And then I think just a lot of times um, the brands are, it's a, it's the same way that you, what you used to call influencers, you know, we, we like yeah. to refer to them more as creators. Yeah. And brands are reaching out to them to do, you know, can you put this product in your okay. in your creation or can you do, you know, and they're getting- So they're the getting deals. sponsorships, But I mean, basically. some of the big ones have- Deals with William Morris Agency, right? You know, I think yep. uh, that one of the I forget which one, I should know this, but was in um, a Super Bowl commercial. You know, they're they're getting deals, and I think what's yeah. even more exciting for me to see because I work in the music realm is I I think if you look back on the top, uh, let's say hundred tracks of last year, I think like ninety nine of them broke on TikTok, and of those, you know, there were a Jeez. lot of creators that had never been heard of, or artists yeah. that had never been heard of that were uh, discovered and signed by the labels. And most of these now have actually recording deals. And it's crazy to even think there was one, um, I forget his name, but I don't know if you saw the whole sea shanties phenomenon. This was more in the UK, but I'm talking like old, he's like- Dylan, Dylan gets it. <laughs> like when seamen were on the boats and they would sing like songs, there was some kid that just went, he was singing on, um, tiktok these old school and i think he was irish or scottish so he had this great accent that went with it i think within a week universal music signed him a genre that you would never ever have even thought would have been huge so they uh so that's for me is more exciting to see that we're offering a place where people who otherwise might not be discovered or being discovered are making a living and that's how they're you know that's where their story started so
0: it's 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 talented people that have that they have an opportunity to show their talents right but it's like <clears throat> there's also that's like negative connotation of people like don't really earn like their celebrity status right oh they just did a dance da, 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 da. but like this is where I, I don't agree with that I feel like if, if somebody found a way to do something that they enjoyed and make money at it and however far they want to take it and become famous or not that's their right to do so and I think it's awesome And so all the parents out there that are bitching and complaining that the kid's doing (laughs) TikTok all the time or whatever. Yeah. Maybe, again, watch the video.
2: You never know what's going to take off.
0: You could be the the person who actually does the licensing or you could be a (laughs) TikToker. You know, either way you go. you go viral. But getting back to just I should just say to wrap this up, you know, thank you again for coming. I think it's super inspiring. I didn't know a lot of the stories behind everything I knew Obviously, what you had done, but like it's incredibly impressive. And I know you guys both agree. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. So, Anthony, you're a lucky fella. Um, and, uh, yeah, please, everybody out there that we always say like and subscribe or, and go to our, our Instagram and to our Facebook and, and eventually <laughs> your TikTok and page. We're yeah. Gonna was, have a TikTok. We're going to go ahead and create one after this podcast. Yeah. I episode. have a personal one. Um, but beyond that, like, I think this is a really, really important and good episode to watch. And so everybody who usually does watch these, please watch them, share them to your friends and have your kids watch them. If you want to inspire your children to do something, you know, like, oh, I need to work a little bit harder today. Well, guess what potentially could happen, right? Because the people that work the hardest and stay the latest and get there the earliest, usually the ones that end up succeeding in life, no matter if it's sports or business or whatever. Yeah, it's not
1: always the smartest. It's the hardest workers. You happen to be both. Right. But (laughs) you know um, people who are willing to work their asses off many times far exceed the, you know, the brilliant guy who's just sitting in the corner.
0: Exactly. Hanging out. Yeah. So everybody, please go to Real Talk with Ryan Madrid on YouTube. Like and subscribe. Go to Instagram, Real Talk with Ryan Madrid and Facebook, Real Talk with Ryan Madrid. And And soon and LinkedIn now. We're doing more on LinkedIn. Good. And uh, soon TikTok as well. Uh, thank you again, Trisha, for helping me over here. And with the production and social media. Dylan, again, our engineering, our podcast engineer. We came up with that one a couple weeks ago because I was trying to figure out. And he it was like what he does all the production him? engineering. He does like all the stuff back there. Uh, that makes this look pretty. Um, and then thank you to VIP mortgage for allowing us to do this in this beautiful office that we are building out as our podcast office <laughs> or space, whatever you want to call it. Um, so again, thank you, Tracy so much for coming on. My pleasure. Um, anything else we need to say before we wrap it up? I that, think that does do. it. All right. So go check us out. Thanks again, everybody. Bye. Thank you.
2: Bye.
0: Real talk is brought to you by escrow, the letter S grow. Disorganization and constant communication are huge problems in the real estate journey. And it's an issue that I think most real estate agents, well, at least some real estate agents uh, struggle with in their CRM systems. There's a lot of options out there and a lot of people have different ones. And when I'm speaking with the agents that that we work with or that are our referral partners, the big hurdle is the actual creation of the templates and actually creating the the automation that goes out for milestones. So escrow kind of takes all that away. So everything's pre-written for you. You have multiple choices to, to go from, um, to choose from, I'm sorry. So if you're looking for a CRN system that is super easy to use and will eliminate a lot of the confusion and the heavy lifting up front, go to escrow.com S, the letter S, grow.com.